The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Hey, hey, welcome. Disability Law Show. So good to have you with us for the uh, for the hour. You want to reach out to Savan Tamark and co-founding partner Sam Firu Tamark and LLP, which, by the way, Noel is positively reviewed law firm in the country. Here's how you do it toll-free. Do not hesitate. Use the number one 821 5900 The email address we're going to get to in just a bit is help at disabilityrights.ca. And I want to remind you, if you want to ask questions anonymously, you could do that uh, online or your tablet, smartphone, even your desktop, laptop, mydisabilityquestions.com. More and more about that a little later on, Savan. But before we get into our uh, building up pile of emails, I know you got something to talk about off the hot pal. What do you got? Yeah, John, I wanted to mention, uh, I had an interesting conversation earlier this week with a psychologist that is treating one of the uh, uh, clients that I'm representing um, with respect to their long-term disability claim. And we spoke about uh, the patient, my client, and and the denial of that long-term disability claim. And I explained also to the psychologist why it is that I think that, you know, my client has a good case, his patient has a good case. And, you know, the psychologist really expressed frustration, not at me, not at this patient, our client, but at insurance companies. And you know what he said to me? He said, you know, Sivan, he says, first of all, thank God that there are people like you and your team out there that are helping these individuals. He says, before before I, I knew you, uh, I knew that there were lawyers that were handling these kinds of claims, but I always felt, he said, that a lot of these lawyers sort of just treated these kinds of claims, you know, in a factory style. I would get these simple requests for my records and that's it, but rarely did a lawyer uh, reach out and wanted to have a conversation with me about my patient, of course, me with my patient's uh, consent. And I said, well, you know, to me, it, it makes sense, especially when we're dealing with more serious kinds of mental uh, health issues, mm-hmm. severe depression, PTSD, things like that. Uh, I want to understand fully my client's case because I need to understand how to present that to the insurance company and beyond the insurance company. And he said to me, well, what, what do you mean beyond the insurance company? I said, well, because when I get involved, I'm not putting any stock or faith in the insurance company making the right decision. I'm telling the insurance company that they have no choice mm-hmm. but to come to the table and pay my client what my client is owed or else. And then the psychologist says, or else what? I said, or else I will take them to court if I have to. And he says, really? And I said, yes. I said, it's not like TV, okay? These cases almost never go to court. Almost always, almost always, and when I say almost always, in my experience, 99%, 99.9% of the time in these disability claims, insurance companies try to settle. And so the psychologist was then saying to me, okay, well, if they try to settle with you as part of the solution there, you're in the picture, you're representing the individual, why were they so difficult at the outset? I said to him, because they can, and they know they can. And they know that these individuals, your patients, my clients, that they're in a weakened state. They're in a vulnerable state. Many of them will not fight for themselves. Many of them don't have people to fight for them. And, you know, I, I was talking about this with some of my colleagues and, and one of the, uh, our managing partner actually at our Vancouver office, uh, was mentioning to me because she deals with employment and disability claims. She said, you know, she said, I often tell people when I get into the picture, when I tell them I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you with your disability claim, I tell them that when you retain us, and I love this, John, because it's so true. She says, I, I tell them when, when you retain us, uh, your fight becomes my fight. 
And that's what I want people to understand. That's what I told the psychologist. And I, he was impressed. But really, for me, it's just second nature. If we get retained, if you hire us because you've been cut off long-term disability, or you've been pressured to go back to work and you can't, and you try to go back on claim and the insurance company said no, or any other reason for why you're not getting long-term disability from your insurance company, you come to us. If I tell you you have a case, I believe in that. And if I take on that fight, it's my fight. I will put my firm's resources behind it. I will put my people behind it. We're going to go all the way if we need to. And, and you know, th- th- that is impressive. And, and I think it's impressive because insurance companies also know that there are good lawyers and bad lawyers, serious lawyers and not so serious lawyers. Now, I know, John, we have a lot of emails to go through. We're going to get to them. But I want to harken back. I want to go back to, you know, mm-hmm. when, when, what was this, 17 years ago, whatever it was, when I used to work for insurance companies, when I used to do this kind of work, I used to help insurance companies save money. I used to fight injury claims. So somebody would have an injury or an illness and they would put in a claim. I would be hired by the insurance companies to fight on their behalf. And I would do the exact same thing I'm doing now. I would fight passionately for them. Of course, I got disillusioned with that. I hate what insurance companies do. I hate how they treat individuals, especially individuals who have legitimate claims, you know, and, and really can't work and are very vulnerable. I hate that. And so I switched sides many, many years ago. And we've built up what I think is an A team. And this A team, John, has been working relentlessly, relentlessly for individuals who are disabled from working against insurance companies. We don't stop. The only time I'll tell you to settle is if I think that the insurance company has paid enough or is offering enough. Otherwise, we're going to keep up the pressure. Look, I also want to make sure people understand, as much as we fight on their behalf, they control the, the, this, this, this legal vehicle. Let's call it that, this car. I'm more like the GPS. Okay. I'll tell you where to go, but you got to press the, 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 the gas or the brake. If you want me to stop, I'll stop. If you don't want me to stop, that's okay. Let me at them. Let our team at them and we will force them to pay what you are owed. And I tell people, if you don't believe me, just go on our websites. Take a look at what people have written on Google and everywhere else. Google our names. See how much we've been in the news on behalf of individuals who have been battling insurance companies. We're very proud of that. I love nothing more than going at an insurance company and making their life miserable, as miserable as they've made my client's life. At the end of the day, it's about the person. It's not about the insurance company. It's about the little guy. And that's what these insurance companies don't understand. Actually, I think they understand. They just don't care. They don't care. And we change that. You know, it's interesting too. You mentioned a, a short time ago there about you know going to court, and that's always a big fear and always the phone call. But I think it's it, by law here in Ottawa, and I think Windsor, other areas of Ontario and across the country, I'd imagine it's mandatory mediation. And most of these things end up in mediation. You're nowhere near a courtroom. I mean, you get this stuff done quicker that way, right? You know, it, so let me let me address this. Number one, uh, it depends on the jurisdiction. Depends where you are in Ontario, Alberta, BC. There are different rules. But here's what's interesting about this: as much as we think there is a gazillion lawyers out there, there are <laughs> there are a handful of lawyers working for insurance companies. We know them. We we have relationships with them. Now that's not to say that we make backroom deals, but they know who we are. They respect us. We respect them. They respect us. We're not an unknown. Now, all, you know, all the accomplishments we've had in the past, those work for our clients, right? If you hire us, you're hiring the name. You're hiring the reputation. You're hiring the, the past results to now achieve 
the result that you want, right? That we tell you that you deserve. And so you're absolutely right, John. That usually gets done uh, at some point through the claims process. And, and I tell people, look, again, we're only going to take this as far as you want, but the reality is that the majority of these claims for us, at least in our office, resolve within weeks or months of being retained. You're not going to have a situation with us where you have a case that goes on for 10 years. It's just not going to happen. If I have a lawyer that tells me that they had a long-term disability claim uh, for the last five years, I'm going to fire that lawyer unless there's a very good explanation. No. Most of the LTD claims we handle at our office resolve within weeks or months, usually in under a year. It depends, of course, right? We need to understand which insurance company, what the doctors are saying, yep. you know, sometimes doctors are, not everything is up to us. I mean, we do as much as we can, but you're absolutely right, John, the vast majority of these cases resolve either at the mediation stage where we go and have this confidential process alongside you, our client, to give us instructions to, to resolve the case with the insurance company or through discussions with the other lawyer. And this is the other thing to understand. We will never, ever agree to resolve the claim without your authority. You call the shots. And I'm saying this, John, because I've had situations in the past where people come to me and say, look, I hired this other lawyer and they're bullying me into accepting this offer from the insurance company. And I said, well, I don't care how good the offer is. I don't care if it's even better than what I think the insurance company ought to pay. Never should there be a situation where a lawyer bullies their client. I have no problem bullying the insurance company. I have a big <laughs> problem with anyone bullying my clients. So certainly I'm never going to do that. None of my lawyers are going to do that. Our job is to get a fair and just settlement for you. That's it, period. But you call the shots. I want to get to Sanju here. Get to this, uh, part of this email in before we uh, we carry on into a break. But Sanju said, guys, I had an accident in May and July this year. In May and July this year, I was approved for LTD in September. Currently, I'm still in pain in multiple parts of my body, concussion, constant headaches, TMJ to the left, depression, anxiety, and dizzy spells, nausea, extreme fatigue. My work people are proposing permanent accommodation, but I don't think I'm physically, mentally, and emotionally ready to return to work, even with accommodation. What do I do? Excellent question, Sanju. I'm not sure exactly when you had the accident in May or July. It's a little <laughs> ambiguous there, yeah. but uh, externally you were approved for LTD. And that means, obviously, that the insurance company has agreed that you cannot perform the essential tasks of your own occupation due to everything you mentioned, the TMJ, depression, anxiety, everything else. Now, you say you work people, presumably your employer, are proposing certain accommodations for you to come back to work, but you're not physically ready and mentally and emotionally. Well, if you're not ready, you should not be forced or pressured to go back to work. Neither your employer is able to do that to pressure you, nor can the insurance company force you to go back to work. Mm -hmm. My advice is simple, Sanju. Follow whatever your doctors are saying. If they're telling you you're not ready to go back to work and you agree with that, that's what you should tell your employer and your insurance company in writing and provide a report or a letter from your doctor explaining that. If you get any any pushback, if the LTD insurer says, no, we think you should be able to go back with accommodation, and guess what? If you don't try, we're going to cut you off. You call us immediately or email me. We're going to help you navigate this. We're not going to let the insurance company or your employer bully you. It's just not going to happen. Sanji, appreciate that. I know you're probably going to want to reach out uh, further to Savannah and his team. That's really easy, man. Here's how you do that. You've got the email address, obviously, but the phone number one eight five five eight. To one fifty nine hundred. You also have the option of mydisabilityquestions.com. And for short, concise memos on LTD, if you want to learn a little more, it's not lawyer speak. It's really easy for the layman to understand. That's how it was constructed. LTDFAQ.com. 
www.disabilitylawshow.ca. And we'll continue. Short break. Lots more of the Disability Law Show is coming right up. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. And welcome back, Disability Law Show. Appreciate you sticking around. Savannah Tamarkin is here, of course, answering all of your questions. Co-founding partner, Sanfiru Tamarkin, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country, reaching out uh, across the country, as a matter of fact, everywhere outside of Quebec. You can uh, reach out the phone number, 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca. Anna, you're up next. Says, uh, Savannah, I'm confused about the my own occupation definition. Does it mean that they have to keep uh, approving my claim as long as I'm not able to go back to work doing my occupation at my existing employer? Or does it mean that I can go do my occupation at any employer? My insurance company keeps saying that if I'm not able to go back to work at my employer, that I will need to find another job at another company. That's confusing for her. I can see why. It's confu- For sure. For her, uh, for Anna, and for our listeners as well. And I want to break this down. I, I, To be honest with you, John, when I saw this email come in, I was very glad to see it. I wasn't happy that Anna is going through this, but I was glad to see it because this is so important to explain and for people to understand about long-term disability. So let's go back to basics. Under most long-term disability policies, for the first two years... To get LTD, long-term disability, you have to demonstrate with the help of your doctors, right, with reports and your application for disability from your physician, that you cannot perform the essential tasks of your own occupation. Beyond the two-year mark, the, the test changes. The question becomes, can you perform the essential tasks of any occupation for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience? It's called the any occupation test versus the own occupation test. Now, this is important to understand. When they say your own occupation, they're not saying your own job. If they said your own job, presumably that means with your employer, right? It's your job with your employer. When they're saying your occupation, it does not specifically mention your employer. So, so John, uh, you do radio work. You can work for a different company. In right. other words, if you're unable to perform the essential tasks of your occupation working on the radio with your particular employer, but you can do it with another employer, then you would not qualify because you can, in fact, perform the essential tasks of your own occupation. You just can't do your job with your employer. So the only way you would get LTD for uh, not being able to do your own occupation is because is if you cannot perform your occupation with any employer. But what she's saying here is that the insurance company keeps saying that if she's not able to go back to work at her employer, that she'll need to find another job at another company. We have to be careful here. What is the insurance company actually saying? Are they saying that if you can work at your own occupation with a different employer, then at that point you don't qualify because that would be correct because then it's not about the occupation. It's about the fact that there is a problem with your specific employer, in which case, by the way, it's an employment issue that we can also help with through our employment lawyers. But if the insurance company is saying that you can do some other occupation elsewhere or even with your employer, during that first two years, the insurance company is wrong because the test is the own occupation test. I know I'm confusing people, which is why it's important to understand that you have to distinguish. For the first two years to get LTD, you have to demonstrate that you cannot perform the essential tasks of your own occupation with any employer, not just your employer, any employer. 
but it's your occupation. So for you, it's uh, it's it's working on the radio, John. For me, it's being a lawyer. For someone else, sure. is working in the office as an administrative assistant or a dental hygienist or whatever. But beyond the two-year mark, it's no longer your own occupation or even your own job. At that point, it's any occupation, but for which you are suited for, again, at any workplace. So Anna, he, here's what I will say here, because I'm sure that, again, this is a lot of information. And, and I urge people, by the way, anybody has follow-up questions or doesn't understand, I'll be happy to speak with them privately. Just get in touch with me and we'll, we'll chat. I'll explain it in more detail about your specific situation. But for Anna, here's what I'll tell you. If you cannot actually work in your occupation, whatever it is that you're doing, whether or not you can do it uh, in, 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 you know, with a different employer or, or not, the key thing is that you cannot perform your own occupation. doesn't matter which employer it is with. That's the key. If you cannot, you qualify for LTD. Now, you're also saying, does it mean that they have to keep approving your claim so long as you're not able to go back to doing your occupation? This idea of do you have to keep, uh, uh, they have to keep approving your claim, I, I want to touch on that. Some people, John, think that once they're, uh, once they get long-term disability, they're accepted into the program. That's it. They don't have to provide any more documentation to the insurance company. They don't have to answer any phone calls from the adjuster. That's incorrect. The insurance company is entitled to updates. And that's by way of asking you for clinical notes and records from your doctors, maybe reports. Maybe, uh, they want to speak with you once in a while. It can't be, unreasonable. They can't ask you to go to your doctor weekly and get reports confirming your disability, but certainly every few months, you know, again, depending on the severity and what it is that's disabling you, they're entitled to get updates to understand whether or not you continue to be disabled from working. Again, whether it's in your own occupation or any occupation. Last thing I'll say, John, again, is uh, you had mentioned this. We have that website, LTDFAQ, Long-Term Disability Frequently Asked Questions, .ca. If you go to that, you will see there is a memo there, I think two, three pages long, in, in layman's speak. Okay, it's, there's no legalese there. And it explains the difference between own occupation and any occupation. And so it answers this kind of question as well as other questions related to that change of definition, the change of the test under long-term disability policies. All right, so then next email comes in from Colleen says, Hey guys, I've been off work with a with lung disease heavy equipment operator over three years now. My long-term disability I may have not made a decision on whether they are going to extend my benefits. Uh, beyond November, they have received all the necessary documents from myself and my doctor also. The doctor said in a letter to them that I cannot work for the next six months at least, which was sent to them a couple weeks ago. My question is, do I wait or do I hire a lawyer? Hope to hear from you soon. Thank you, says Colleen. Excellent question, Colleen. So first of all, I don't think you need to hire a lawyer right now, but it's a good thing that you've reached out to get information. So the first thing that jumps out at me is that you've had lung disease, you have lung disease, uh, you, you deal in a profession that is very difficult, it's not a sanitary job, you deal with heavy equipment, and that you've had uh, this issue for the last three years. Uh, so I, I don't know if you've been on LTD for the last three years, but certainly if you've been on LTD beyond two years, it means that the insurance company has agreed essentially or accepted that you are disabled from any occupation for which you're suited for. It's a very high bar to meet. And, and frankly, if they've done that, I'm questioning why it is that they're now reevaluating whether or not your benefits ought to continue beyond the month. Add to that the fact that your doctor, and I presume you're talking about a respirologist, at the very least, since you probably have a specialist here, uh, saying that you cannot work for at least the next six months, I don't understand why they are taking the position now that they have to reevaluate your claim and figure out whether or not you should continue to qualify. 
All that being said, I haven't seen all the documentation, but I will say this. Insurance companies are entitled to make these decisions on an ongoing basis. They can't be unreasonable in that. They can't wait until the last second because you need to prepare. Right. Uh, but, you know, and by the way, John, I also don't know why her doctor said that at least for the next six months, she won't be able to work if she's been, you know, disabled for the last three years. It's possible that her doctor is simply conservative and will not give a prediction or a prognosis for more than six months at a time. That's okay. I've seen that happen before. But it's really, really important to understand, Colleen, that if the insurance company comes back with a decision, and I suspect it's going to be very soon, as to whether or not you're going to be extended your LTD, uh, that you understand what your rights are. And the reality is this. If you cannot work, your doctor supporting you being off work, the insurance company has accepted you being on LTD because you've been on LTD for a while. Again, we don't know how long. We just know you've been off work for three years. There is no way that the insurance company will be able to uh, justify cutting off your benefits at the end of this month. And so I will tell you this, there's a few days to go. I think that you need to send an email to your adjuster telling your adjuster that you're soliciting legal advice. I think that's the correct way about this. I know insurance companies get their backs up whenever you say you're talking to a lawyer, but it's not a bad thing for insurance companies to understand that you are one of those people who's just not gonna let this go. That if the insurance company does something, that violates your rights under the LTD policy, under the contract of insurance that you have with them, that you're going to take action or you're going to hire somebody to take action. And so you should do that. If they cut off your benefits or if they respond back saying that they may cut off your benefits or that they want you to be seen by one of their doctors or that they think that you should be going back to work or anything like that, any answer other than we're going to extend your LTD benefits, reach out to me privately and we will, I, I will speak with you. I will not, I will help you navigate the situation. If the insurance company cuts you off, despite what your doctor is saying, saying that you cannot work, despite you knowing that you cannot work, just blatantly cutting you off just because they want to save money. Trust me, we're going to help you. We're going to help you. We're going to hit them hard. They're going to have to come to the table and pay you what you're owed. But it's a very good thing, John. I really like it when people contact me before the cutoff actually happens. You know, that usually doesn't happen when you're denied LTD outright because you don't know. You, you, you realize that you're denied LTD when you're denied LTD. But when you're cut off or when you're told you're going to be cut off, you have advanced notice most times. Not always. Sometimes insurance companies, again, act in a way that, uh, is not right. Uh, they do it retroactive, but that's more rare in my experience. Generally, they give you a heads up. They'll tell you that they're going to uh, cut you off in a month, uh, in six months, in three months, whatever the time frame is. And I tell people, if that happens, always reach out to me, always, because I can tell you how to do certain things right now that may, first of all, avert a cutoff, or if it doesn't, puts the insurance company on the defensive so that they have to think twice as to whether or not they want to proceed with it. And... We have situations, of course, where if the insurance company doesn't change course, we can start that legal claim now, such that when we resolve it with them, sometimes it happens that because there is so much advance notice, there isn't even a period of time where you get no money in. I mean, that's the ideal situation. The worst case scenario is when you're told, we're going to cut off your benefits in six months. You don't do anything about that. You think you can appeal that. You think you can convince the insurance company that they made a mistake, an honest mistake, and somehow you know, that day will not come and it does. And now you're six months uh, ahead. Now the insurance company stopped paying you. You have bills that are mounting. You, you know, you have to put food on the table. You have to pay the mortgage or the rent, whatever it is. 
you know, and you could have contacted us six months ago, we could have potentially resolved the case by then so that you would not have been in the situation where you have no money coming in. So, so I just wanted to mention that, John, because it is very important that if you are an LTD and you feel like there is danger, any danger for your, your payments, uh, that they may not continue for any reason, reach out to us. It costs nothing, nothing to get this information and to speak with a member of my team. What if Colleen hears, you know, I know you, you mentioned this before about, uh, you know, treatment and, you know, the, the insurance company calling the shots. What do they say? Okay, Colin, we get that, but it's been long enough. I think it's time you went to see one of our people for treatment. We're going we're gonna to send you to one of our doctors, so you got to go. Yeah, in that situation, first of all, we have a memo on that, on, on that website that we mentioned, ltdfaq.ca, a free, free memos. And there's a memo about the, these medical examinations. They're called independent medical examinations. And of course, John, you and I talked about this many times before. They're anything but independent. But I urge people to contact us directly. Read the memo if you want. It's very good. It has a lot of information, answers a lot of questions. But speak with us because we'll be able again to guide you, to tell you here's what you need to do, here's what you should do or not do, here's how you respond to the insurance company, here's what you tell your own doctors. Very, very important stuff. That could potentially be the difference between you being cut off long-term disability or not being cut off. And the beauty of this whole thing, John, is that we're not charging for the service. We are not charging for any of this advice. This is all free, just like these shows. It's there to educate the public. It's there to even that playing field between you and the insurance company, and frankly, maybe even to tilt it in your favor. Insurance companies have had the advantage for far too long. The more information you have, the more knowledgeable you are about your rights when it comes to long-term disability law or any kind of law really that pertains to you, the better position you are in. And again, if I'm telling you it costs nothing to speak with us, why not take advantage of that? There's just no reason not to. And with that, we're going to take a short break and back into more of your uh, your email. So stand by for that. Send one along anytime. It might not appear in the show, but it will get answered. That much I can guarantee you for sure. Help at disabilityrights.ca. And the phone number to reach out to Savan and crew, confidential phone call. Take some time, explain your situation, and get some satisfaction uh, right off the start. one 821 5900 And as Savan mentioned, short, concise, easy memos. Really simple to understand. Main topics, ltdfaq.ca. And we'll take a short break, as mentioned. Come back with more of the Disability Law Show. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. That's right, Disability Law Show, right back at it. John Scholes here every week. Savan Tamarkin as well, reaching out to Savan and his team help at disabilityrights.ca. Again, that email is simply help at disabilityrights.ca. You prefer to leapfrog that into a phone call, one 821 5900 uh, you got the contact information. Here we go. Okay, we'll get to uh, get to Sean now, guys. Says uh, hello. My mom was injured in a car accident a few weeks ago. She was taken to the hospital and released. They said she had bruised ribs and just needs rest. She was feeling a lot of pain the following week, so went to the family doctor who took some more X-rays. Determined her ribs were fractured. The doctor says it could be a few months before the injury heals. I was just wondering if she would be eligible for any compensation from the insurance company and how to best go about that. Thank you. What do you think, Simon? Sean, this is an excellent question. And uh, one thing I want to make clear here, John, from the outset is that, you know, we, we have offices uh, in Ontario, BC, and Alberta. And the legislation, the law that deals with car accident uh, accidents is different in all three jurisdictions. 
unfortunately, in British Columbia, the law right now is such that we actually can't help people who are um, accident victims, people who are injured as a result of a car accident. In Alberta, however, we can. So if you have an accident like Sean, uh, sorry, Sean's mom in Alberta, we can help. And, and Sean, just to explain uh, what your mom can can receive. First of all, it's very fact specific. So we would have to speak with your mom to understand a bit more about how the accident happened, the significance of the injuries, what the doctors are actually saying above and beyond what you said. Clearly, you know, the ribs are fractured and... Uh, you know, they're saying that the injury could potentially heal in a few months, but sometimes we know also that people uh, have uh, ongoing impairments, residual issues, right? I mean, you may your injuries may heal, but but you may have chronic pain resulting from that in your neck, in your back. It may impact your ability to work, and so there's different cate- uh, categories of damages that we usually go for that we ask the insurance co- uh, company to pay the victim of a car accident. We're talking about pain and suffering, income loss, and other kinds of injuries like that. So, uh, you know, what I'll say is this, Sean. Uh, I'd love to speak with your mom off air uh, and understand a bit more about how the accident happened and the extent of her injuries. We can help her navigate the system, and I can tell you. That that we can we can maximize uh, the damages and the compensation that the insurance company owes her. And, and, and John, this is something we haven't talked about before, about the fact that we do uh, car accident work in Alberta. So for anyone out there, especially now with the weather that we have, the winter season that is upon us, uh, if you or someone you know is injured in a car accident in Alberta, more than happy uh, to speak with you again for free and, and help in any way that we can. Nicely done, Sean. You know the email here is at number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Next will be Russell, working on down the line of email. And Russell says, "I was recently let go from my job, and I was offered severance. I didn't sign the papers yet. I'm currently a long term disability, but that is coming to an end in three months because I've reached the two year mark. My doctors say that I can't go back to work yet, and I'm just trying to understand what my options are now that I have no job and I'm being cut off disability." I'm 53 years old and I worked as a product engineer. Russell, thank you so much for emailing in. This is excellent, excellent, an excellent question. Uh, John, again, we've talked about this before, but the fact that, uh, you know, we have this dual specialty at the firm. We have employment lawyers and then we have disability and injury lawyers. And it's so important to understand that there is this interplay between long-term disability and employment law. And the reason is this, uh, I've had people in the past who have been on long-term disability and uh, they've been let go from their jobs. And as a result of being let go from their jobs, they've gone to employment lawyers, employment lawyers who had no understanding, interest or expertise in long-term disability law. And so the person goes to the employment lawyer and the employment lawyer says, look, the severance you received is not adequate. I can help you get more. And the lawyer does their job. They get more severance for the individual, a lot more severance. It's happened quite a few times. Except that once the insurance company, the disability insurer, gets a hold of this, gets a whiff of this, they suddenly tell the person, hey, guess what? There is a provision in your long-term disability policy that allows us to get a credit for any income such a severance that you may receive from your employer. And so if you think about what that leads to, John, it leads to a situation where a person may get severance, whether it's good severance or bad severance, whatever that severance is, but the insurance company turns around and says, well, we're going to get a credit for that, meaning we're not going to pay you the equivalent of that severance in LTD. So, you know, if you got a year's worth of severance, we may not pay you a year's worth of LTD or more than a year's worth, depending on what the LTD amount is. 
So, so, you know, for Russell here, it's really key, really important to understand that the fact that he was offered severance and hasn't signed the papers yet, which is a good thing, is that we need to understand what is going on here. We need to look at the LTD policy to make sure that, you know, if in fact there is a provision in the LTD policy that talks about a deduction or a credit for severance in favor of the insurance company, that we're not simply moving ahead with the severance component of his claim because that could impact his LTD claim. There is a way to navigate this. The other thing I want to address here, other than the fact that we have to figure out sort of the interplay between employment and LTD, is that the insurance company is ending his uh, benefits in three months, telling him he's reached a two-year mark. Many people are under the impression that your long-term disability policy only goes for two years. That is not true. Very, very rarely do you see an LTD policy that actually ends at the two-year mark, that there is a hard end. Generally, what happens is that people are told by the insurance company, you're not going to get any more money after the two-year mark. But the reason for that is because the insurance company has concluded many times incorrectly that the person is able to do some other occupation. In this case, with Russell, if he can't go back to work to any occupation for which he's suited for by training, education, or experience, and he's only 53 years old, guess what? He's entitled to LTD beyond the two-year mark. So here we're potentially dealing for Russell with an employment issue and an LTD issue, and they're all related. So there's lots to unpack. And Russell, what I would say is after the show, let's connect. I'll speak with you about your LTD matter. I'll have a lawyer from my office talk to you about your employment matter. Again, won't cost you a thing. You'll understand your rights vis-a-vis both areas of law. We'll protect you. We'll make sure that you get all the compensation you deserve. Russell. Thanks so much for that email. Here's the number to reach out and carry that conversation on one 821 5900 And you can also go to the uh, this website to ask more questions, mydisabilityquestions.com, free and anonymous, of course. We'll continue with more questions and emails after a short break. This is the Disability Law Show. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. All right, welcome back. A few minutes to go. Disability Law Show reaching out to Savannah and his team uh, now or any other time when we're not doing the show. one 821 5900 Help at disabilityrights.ca is the email address. We'll get back to those in a minute. Sometimes it comes down to, uh, Savan, you know, worry about money and payment and all that. So when, when a disabled person retains your firm to represent them against the LTD uh, insurer, you take an offer from retainer? Does the uh, disability person need to pay anything up front? Is it all like, you know, pay us and we'll start talking? I, I think it's a different different route, no? It's very, very different. Very, And, and you know, I, I, I've been thinking for a long time that, how we do things uh, is really, I think, the ideal way and how it should be. It's the most ethical way, which is that if I'm telling you that your insurance company has wronged you, in other words, you come to me because you believe that that's what's happened, but I confirm it to you. I tell you this is what I think and you should be getting money from them, then you know what? I should put uh, you know, my money where my mouth is. Right. I should tell you that unless I can recover from the insurance company for you, I shouldn't get paid. No matter how much time I put in, no matter what expenses my firm incurs, no matter which experts I retain on your behalf, you shouldn't have to pay anything unless and until I can force the insurance company to write you a check. To my surprise, and that's how we do things, by the way. So there's not nothing up front. Let's be clear about that. It doesn't cost anything to speak with us, to get our advice at any given point about your long-term disability matter, nothing. We only get paid 
a, uh, if we're able to force the insurance company to pay you what you're owed, and then it's a percentage. It's almost like uh, you know when you're dealing with a real estate agent, right? You're not going to pay a real estate agent yeah. to list your house or your apartment. You're going to pay them a percentage, whatever that is, of whatever it is they can get for you. And, and that way, by the way, the interests are aligned because it's in my interest, just like it is in in you know the real estate agent's interest to, to get as much as they can for you. Okay, uh, now. I say that this is how I think it ought to be because I am shocked anytime I hear somebody calling me when I talk about this topic, telling me that they've been with this firm or that firm and they've been charged X and Y. Do you remember, John? I think it was a few months back. There was a firm, there was a lady that contacted us. I told you about this, uh, who uh, had gone, she was denied her long-term disability claim unjustly. And she went to a law firm, and that law firm actually does some employment law. They do a whole bunch of stuff. And they purport to also do long-term disability law. And they advise this lady that she needs to appeal her decision, which, of course, for me is a big no-no. I tell people, do not appeal, especially before speaking with us, because most of these appeals are useless and they go nowhere. Anyways, she didn't hear, she didn't know about us. Uh, she didn't know this. She went to this law firm. She was referred by her friend. This law firm tells her to appeal. They tell her they'll do the appeal for her, which, by the way, doesn't take that much. But anyways, they said they'll do it. And she gets denied. And then they tell her appeal again. And she does that again. And she gets denied again. And of course, at some point, she hears us on the radio and she calls us up, tells us a story. And I tell her, look, you know, I disagree completely with what this firm has told you to do. I don't believe in these appeals. Uh, obviously I am correct because you've been denied now several times. And when I look at your medical records and documentation, I think the insurance company is wrong to have denied you. We need to start that legal claim against them. That's how we're going to have teeth here. Right. And I say to her, but you've already retained this law firm. And when you retain one law firm and you want to switch to another law firm, typically you have to pay something for that, meaning for their time, right? Because they haven't been getting paid. And she stops me mid-sentence and she says, well, no, 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 no. I've been paying them along the way. And I said, what do you mean? We're talking about disability, right? A disability claim. She says, yeah, I, I've paid. I said, how much have you paid them? She says, uh, just over $12,000. Oh, my God. John, it, it took every ounce of effort for me <laughs> to not swear. I couldn't <laughs> believe kidding. my ears. I could not believe that this law firm has charged her. Now I understand what they ca why they kept stringing her along. I mean, they probably don't know what they're doing. But in addition to that... To ask somebody who is disabled to pay out of pocket to fight an insurance company is a losing proposition. If that was the way these things were fought, if that was the norm, insurance companies would win every time. Nobody would have any money to fight them. The whole point here is that we're able to say to people, if we tell you you have a case, we'll put our, our money where our mouth is. We're going to fight them as long as it takes. We're going to spend as much money as we need to spend on our end. We're going to hire and pay our own experts if we need to, and your doctors if we need to get more records and reports from them to fight the insurance company. If I told a person they have to do that, how is that even conceivable that a person who is disabled, who needs that LTD, that, that disability money to survive, how is it conceivable that they... You know, in addition to needing that money they don't have to survive, also have to pay a lawyer to fight the insurance company. It's ludicrous. Yeah. And so I was very, very angry at that. And of course, she ended up, uh, you know, switching to us because it's just inconceivable to me what this law firm was doing. Uh, and I was tempted. I was very, very close 
to to emailing the lawyer in charge of that file in that firm and just telling them that like just railing at them so my point is john no we don't charge anything not for the advice certainly not for working for you we only get paid if we're able to extract money for the insurance company from the insurance company for you if we are wrong you're not paying us it's that simple and our retainer agreement the contract we have uh, that we have to have under the law society guidelines right. spells that out. Many disabilities are psychological. We've talked about this for years on this show, not physical. You guys, you treat them differently when you're fighting against insurance companies or on your end, it's, it's a disability and they should not be working. They should be getting their benefit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you're disabled, I don't care if it's psychological or oh, I do care, but if it's psychological or physical, whichever one it is, uh, or, or a combination of both, by the way, many times you have disabilities like chronic pain is an example or some kind of an illness or any injury, really. Uh, I mean, as a result of that, you may not be able to sleep. There may be chronic pain. So there's going to be a psychological overlay. Sometimes there is no psychological, it's just psychological, whether it's depression or anxiety, although even those manifest sometimes physically. So, you know, I think that trying to figure out if it's psychological or physical or a combination of both, that's not the exercise here. The exercise here is, are you unable to work or to perform the essential tasks of your own occupation or any occupation, depending where you are in the disability policy? If you cannot work, because of your condition, whether it's an illness or an injury or a combination of both, and your doctors are agreeing that you should be off work because of those conditions, the insurance company should be paying you. If they are not, if they're denying you for any reason, please speak with us. Get the information you need. It'll cost you nothing, as I said before, and you'll understand what your rights are. We'll give you the menu of options. You can decide what you want to do. If after speaking with us, you decide not to do anything, your choice. But at least you'll know you'll be empowered and you won't let the insurance company take advantage of you. You know, a lot of stuff covered on the show today, Savannah. I know people feel, uh, you know, intimidated to call you or they don't think they stand a chance against the insurer, but uh, you've often said as well as that David and Goliath scenario, right? Exactly, exactly. It's like David and Goliath, but don't forget, uh, David is the one that won that battle. So you have rights. The insurance company cannot trump those rights. The insurance company is not above the law, and we can take that fight to the insurance company on your behalf. Good way to wrap it up. Reach out, please. Do not hesitate to call Savan and his team. The phone number one more time, one 821 5900, that email we've been using all show, you can take advantage of that help at disabilityrights.ca and also ltdfaq.ca for quick, concise, non-legal speak memos about LTD, all kinds of different topics, easy to navigate. You can use that too, ltdfaq.ca. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.